every um, ounce of energy and, re and um, resistance to temptation that I exercise, I have never regretted in the slightest. It has protected me from so much and allowed me to, uh, in marriage, enjoy uh, sex as God intended. And it's a wonderful thing. And I'll tell you, young people, if you can make a decision early, uh, it's a whole lot easier from an early age to make a choice and stick with it than to try to adjust, you know, halfway through life when you've already been um, abusing uh, sex. It is, if you obey the commands of God, you benefit, and you don't need to understand. If you have enough faith and you say, okay, God said it, I believe it, I'll do it, great. But it's always nice to understand why, right? Because God always, when God gives a command, it's always in our best interest. And in fact, part of being uh, a student of the word is not like we get necessarily new revelation on God, what God wants us to do. It's we gain new insight, deeper insight into why it's good for us. So let's take a moment and ask, why, why is it that God limits sex to marriage? It's this simple, it's this profound. Because sex is a uniting act. Sex has the power to bond people together. It acts like a glue. God designed it that way. It unites you to another person. Let me read to you from 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16. The Apostle Paul is explaining to the Corinthian Christians why they should not be sleeping with prostitutes. He writes, Do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For as it is written, the two will become one flesh. Sex is a uniting act. And so he's saying, guys, <laughs> when, when you have sex with a prostitute, you are uniting yourself with her. And, and that's, that's very warped if you're not going to also give her, uh, unite with her relationally and legally. And so you unite with her in a very real way, in a powerful, even spiritual way, and then you break it off. And that's damaging. It doesn't make any sense. It's warped is what Paul's saying. I like what Tim Keller says about this. He says, sex is God's appointed way for two people to reciprocally say to one another, I belong completely, permanently, and exclusively to you. You must not use sex to say anything else, anything less. So on the positive side, uh, God has designed sex to um, bring two people together and to knit them together in a, in a tremendous and powerful way. It's a glue. You know, you say to another person, uh, I'm, I'm committed to you for a lifetime through thick and through thin, and God says, and you know what? I've given you a gift to help make that a little easier. <laughs> right? But when you go and uh, misuse that and join yourself uh, to somebody with whom you haven't committed relationally and you haven't committed uh, legally, it is second best at best. Uh, it's an aberration. Tim Keller gives this warning. I think it's potent. If you have sex outside marriage, 
You're going to have to steel yourself against sex power to soften your heart toward another person and make you more trusting. Sex has that power. God's given it that power. But if you're just dabbling with it, you're going to have to steel your heart against that. The problem is that eventually sex will lose its covenant-making power for you, even if one day you do get married. Ironically, then, sex outside of marriage eventually works backwards, making you less able to commit and trust another person. In other words, if you misuse it, uh, then it's harder to uh, benefit from it. You don't get the best. Now, God, of course, can redeem all things. He's in the business of redeeming things. You know, sex is the uh, marriage covenant renewal ceremony. In the Bible, anytime you have a covenant, there is a, uh, an accompanying renewal ceremony. So communion, for example, is the renewal ceremony for uh, the Christian's union with Christ. Every time we partake of eat the bread and drink the, the cup, we are reminded of the sacrifice Christ made for us upon the cross. He bled and died that we might have the remission of sins. We take it in. That's us saying we receive what Christ did for us as payment for our sin, and we've committed to be his followers. Well, sex is the covenant renewal ceremony uh, for marriage. Every time you have sex, you are saying to your spouse, I'm yours. You're mine. I don't do this with anybody else. This is just between us. I'm naked and unashamed with you. And so now I've just given you guys uh, who are married new language. You, I, once I got a hold of this language pretty recently, I've started saying, hey, Sabrina, I think we should renew our covenant vows. <laughs> got to have as many different you know, proposals as you can. So there's a new one. It's worth coming to, to the sermon. So, you know, God has given us this gift. Let's not just leave it on the table, right? Uh, make use of it. You know, may I be so bold as to say, if you are married and you don't have some physical reason you can't, you should be having sex and having it often. The more often you have it, the more it's going to bond you together. It does that. Uh, so do it lots. And yeah. What to say about that? Oh, yeah. And the Bible actually is very clear about this. 1 Corinthians uh, 7 says, don't withhold from each other. Except perhaps, I love the word perhaps, except perhaps for a time, for prayer. But then come back together again. One of my favorite, that's my second favorite verse in the Bible. <laughs> you should memorize that. That should be easy to memorize. Don't withhold. Okay. Now, sex, even if you're married, you know, sex can get all out of whack, and so it needs to be, you know, consensual, and it needs to be loving, and it needs to be pure. We'll talk a little bit about that. And I know that in marriage, um, sex is not always easy. There was a time, probably three years into our marriage, where uh, sex had become a, a, a source of tension, and it was it was uncomfortable, and I just knew I, we've got to do something to uh, change the trajectory here. So uh, I'll talk a little bit more later if that's you know, how to get help if that's uh, your situation. Let me address two objections the world often throws at the, um, the Christian understanding of sex. And number one, it's sex is just an appetite. 
you know, like uh, the appetite for food. And in the same way, if you're hungry and you don't eat, you're going to be unhealthy. Well, if you got sexual desires, you gotta, you know, you gotta satisfy that that appetite. And uh, similar to this is, you know, if you if you suppress that natural appetite, you're gonna get weird. You won't be healthy. You're not going to be happy. You've got to have sex to be kind of a fully realized happy person. And that's, those are lies. Uh, first off, hey, I was down in uh, South Carolina. I was in Myrtle Beach. Uh, you had um, Krispy Kreme, Dunkin' Donuts, uh, Chick-fil-A. I was, you know, if I just had a spicy chicken sandwich every time I wanted one, or every time I drove past the uh, Krispy Kreme and the big red hot signs out, I, there was all kinds of temptation and desire to eat. But if, I, if you just eat whenever you want to, well, then you're going to get really unhealthy. And so, same with the sex drive. God has designed it to be enjoyed within a particular context. You take it outside of that, and it's unhealthy. And you don't have to have sex to be a happy person. I kind of believe that. <laughs> okay, that was not planned. No, that's true. <laughs> sex actually... <laughs> Delete that if you can. <laughs> this is ultimately just a picture of the relationship we have with uh, with God. And it's just a foretaste. And so we can have that, the ultimate relationship, now. And so uh, don't, believe, don't swallow those lies. Let me talk a moment about uh, pornography. Let me read two scriptures. Pornography, by the way, is, uh, as you know, ridiculously available 24-7 at a keystroke. Jesus in Matthew, Jesus in Matthew 5-27 says this, You've heard it that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Does that seem applicable to pornography? Everyone who looks at a woman, and obviously this would flip for, you know, look at a man. Everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4. Let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled, for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. Let the marriage bed be undefiled. What does that mean? Well, it certainly means don't let anybody else into it. So, no swinging, no inviting other people. And that would include pornography, right? When when you're looking at porn, you're inviting others into your marriage bed. That's defiling it. Uh, Christian couples should not be using pornography to get excited. That's inappropriate. Let me ask you this. I think here, here's a question you've got to ask yourself with, with regard to pornography. What, um, what patterns of sexual arousal am I establishing in my life? Because when you, when you are looking at pornography, you are establishing a pattern of sexual arousal. 
And then you got to ask, is, is, are these patterns going to help or hinder my intimacy with my spouse? And so if you're looking at pornography, you are getting, you're developing, you're establishing a pattern of being aroused by, and by the way, this was, this would include, um, reading harlequin romances, right? Super steamy novels. You are establishing patterns of arousal. And with pornography, it's fantasy world, right? And it's people that are doing things that oftentimes are not necessarily natural. But if that's what you get excited about, you take that into marriage. And all of a sudden, your, your normal uh, husband or wife with their normal appetite is, you know, not super exciting. They're not doing what what you thought, think they should do or what you had seen, right? And so you suffer consequences. And I understand that, uh, I mean, the, the pornography is, it is just so there and so tempting. And you can't be online nowadays with you're reading a normal news article and uh, a multi-billion dollar industry is intentionally trying to hook you. And there are these little icons that show up. And, I mean, it's just, um, yeah, it's it's like sitting in a Krispy Kreme shop watching the donuts come off and being on a diet. I understand this isn't this isn't easy. Uh, but the question we've got to ask is, are we going to trust God with our sexual desires? Do we believe that God knows best and that he has explained to us how we can have uh, the best, most fulfilling sex possible in his word? Am I going to trust God and God's plan or not? It really comes down to that. What's our conviction? I said earlier, if you're young and you can decide at a young age, yeah, I'm going to trust God and just march forward, awesome. Trying to adjust halfway through life when you've already established patterns, more difficult, possible. God can, uh, God can help you. He wants to help you uh, return to purity. I don't have it with me, but next to the offering box and also out in the foyer, I have a sheet of paper, uh, Alicia Driscoll helped me, and we it, it's titled um, Resources for Sexual Healing in Anchorage. So we've identified some classes you might want to take, um, If you some counselors who specialize in sexual addiction, if you're having problems enjoying sex in marriage, um, boy, don't let that linger. Uh, go get some help. So we have some um, Christian marriage counselors here in town, some books that you might be interested in. And if you have been a victim of sexual abuse, we have a couple of um, uh, counselors who specialize in it. So if you would be interested in those resources or know somebody who might, um, please grab one of those papers on your way out. Let me end with this. Sexual purity is important. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality. God, you know, this, this text makes it super clear. 
God wants you to be sexually pure. Or this is God's will. Your sanctification. What sanctification? Becoming more and more like Christ in, in my practice. That each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor. But we have to exert self-control. We can't just do what we feel like doing. What We must remain in control of our body. Not in the passion of lust, like the Gentiles who do not know God. So here he's saying, you know, don't take your sexual cues from the uh, secular society around you. Don't take your sexual cues from what you see on TV or what you read in the uh, glamour magazines, what you hear on the radio, what necessarily what your uh, classmates and coworkers are doing. That's not where we get our take our sexual cues, we take them from the Word of God. That no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter. You're ultimately hurting other people. Because the Lord is an avenger in all these things. Listen to that. The Lord is an avenger in all these things, as we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you. It's a serious business. For God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this, disregards not man, but God, who gives his Holy Spirit to you. So the, the degree to which what I've said today matches the word of God, it's not just Mike's opinion about sex. It says you, dis, you disregard not man, you disregard God himself. God has a will. He's revealed his will on this matter. Will we... Will we honor God with our sex lives? Now listen, um, this, it's a, this is an area in which society is not supporting us. And it's difficult to remain sexually pure. And all of us, I would assume, uh, have sinned in this area. So what do we do when we sin? Well, what we, we do what we always do with sin. We confess it. Confess it, it says, God... What I did was wrong. I don't want that in my life. I'm sorry. Forgive me. And then we receive the promise that we're forgiven. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we receive the promised forgiveness. And then we say, God, uh, I want to I do better next time. I want to do it differently. Help me by the power of your Holy Spirit. And the Bible says, confess your sins one to another. If this is an area in which it often helps to bring it out of the darkness and, and tell a trusted a Christian brother or sister and ask them to walk with you through this. Um, we, we need sexual freedom. We need to walk in purity. That's where life is truly to be found. Lord, we acknowledge that you are the creator and that you know best. And so we recommit ourselves to um, trusting you with our sexual desires. May we be a community that uh, encourages each other toward purity. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.